John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, this is Ed Peterson. And this is John Kiltica, Ed. It's the High Game Podcast. Early edition. Oh my gosh, we are up in the morning and we never do this. I've got coffee. I've got two coffees. Spoiler alert, coffees are inbound. Yes. Yeah, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about a meso guitars. Yeah, guitars, basses, short scale basses, regular scale basses, whatever. Yeah. Reclaimed wood. Yeah, you can't nail us down. No, absolutely. Where are we recording from? Beautiful West Seattle. That's awesome. I love West Seattle. Did you know that in the late 80s, I lived in Cleveland, Ohio? Right outside in Mentor, right? Mentor, Ohio. Yeah, Cleveland suburbs. I like to say Cleveland, but that's just for the non-Ohio folks. Is that where the river caught fire? That's Cleveland and, yeah, bodies of water catch fire, caught fire. That's all been cleaned up, and the actual boardwalk of Cleveland, I think, is beautiful now. Why are you mentioning all this Ohio stuff? What's up with Ohio? Lots of great bands come from Ohio. Walk the Moon. Walk the Moon. Is from Cincinnati, Ohio. They are, and guess what? What? We've got the guitar slash bass slash... Cat from Ohio. Yeah. Eli Maimon from Walk the Moon. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, and so is my cat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How is Ohio these days? It's good. I think winter has broken, and we're finally getting into some nice days. Are you still Cincinnati? I'm still in Cincinnati, yeah. The other two guys in the band moved to LA a couple of years ago, but I'm holding it down in Cincy. Hold fast. Hell yeah. I love it here. My sister-in-law was born and raised in Cincinnati. Oh, great. My brother married a Cincinnati girl. Everybody knows somebody is something that I've learned from traveling. <laughs> Whenever you bring it up, somebody's like, yeah, I know somebody from Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. And that's the end of that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no follow-up. Like, oh, I love people from Cincinnati. There's just like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that before. Yeah, 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 that's a place. You played the national anthem with the Bengals, right? Yeah, that's like maybe the single scariest performance of all time. Really? You don't want to mess that up. 
you don't want to mess it up. You don't want to mess up the words. The monitor situation on the field is not that good. Oh, We're just like down there yeah. singing. And if you think about the way the PA is working, we're receiving our voices on like a second and a half delay, right? <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's it's cool. terrifying. And then sports fans, merciless. Yeah, yeah. They are brutal. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably the scariest gig of all time. Oh, man. We've had a lot of musicians on the show. And I was telling John the other day, there's like a pre and post David Letterman in my brain. Mm. And you got to play the Letterman show. Playing the national anthem at a Bengals game, that's pretty cool. I've paused the video of you shaking hands with David Letterman <laughs> and just being like, oh my God, this is amazing. That's great. The thing that I remember about that performance, there are two things. The first thing is that the studio is so unbelievably cold <laughs> that we might as well have just been playing outside. Mm -hmm. The other thing was that was our first TV appearance. And we played Anna Sun, which is this sprawling five and a half minute song that has no business being on TV. <laughs> so we had to do these pretty aggressive cuts to the tune. <laughs> and in the performance, I was the only one who took the cut. I like oh. threw my fist up to remind everybody that we're only doing half of the normal length we do. Funny. And the band just plowed on through it and kept playing. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's this moment where I just look like I'm having such a euphoric moment that I just start fist pumping in the middle of the song. <laughs> what I'm trying to do is signal the band and they're just like, nah. That's great. So I ended up playing like a bad quarter tube because I was not with the band, which is terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I was like very shaken because this is our first TV appearance yeah. ever, right? Yeah. And they said, it's cool. Don't worry about it. We're not going to do it again. Just come back to the editing room. And we went back to the editing room and like they were super chill about like grabbing the cord from another spot in the song and dropping it in there. Wow. Whoa. And then they synced it with the cameras so that you don't see me playing a solo while you're hearing a chord. Oh my God. And I'm like, guys, thank you so much for doing wow. this. This is amazing. You know, I appreciate this so much. And he's like, oh yeah, don't worry about it. You should have seen what it was like when Paul Simon was here. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. All right. Wow. That's what sticks out to me about the Letterman performance. Yeah. For me, there's not much point in becoming a rock star nowadays if you don't get to do Letterman. Mm. The Letterman days are kind of come and gone. TikTok, right? We've moved from Letterman to TikTok. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Beverages. Yes, Ed, it's beverages. I love beverage time when it's early morning. Let's be polite. Yeah. Start with our guest, Eli Maiman of the Walk the Moon Band. What are you drinking? I'm drinking the largest iced coffee the coffee shop would give me. It's a toddy. Perfect. Ooh. And it's 24 ounces. Ooh. And I'm about halfway through it. <laughs> John has some music he can cue up so we can all go run and take our bathroom breaks because all of us are like chugging the coffee. Do you have a local coffee place there you're fond of? We have a lot of good coffee in Cincinnati. The one that I think of kind of the original nice coffee shop in Cincinnati is this place called Collective Espresso, which is wonderful and is in my neighborhood, Northside. So spoiled for choice in Northside. Shout out to Northside. Ed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you said it's a toddy. You know, I meant to uh, Google that before we hopped on. <laughs> sure. I think it's like a big 
pitcher contraption situation with like a slow drip. It's really rich. Just talking about it, I'm getting a little twitchy. Holidays as a kid, I remember hot toddies were a thing. Yeah. Right. And I never really knew what they were. I just knew mom and dad are dipping into the hot toddies again and they can't drive. (laughs) (laughs) What do you got, John? What do I have? Yeah. What do you got going on? Well, I've got two mugs of coffee because, you know, I need those. Right. And I didn't want to have flat out orange juice, Mm -hmm. but I do have an orange flavored Harit Toast Mandarin beverage. The Mandarin is delicious. Yeah, the Mandarin is very good. Natural flavor soda from Mexico. Yep. Have you had a Jaritos, Eli? For sure. Delicious. What about you, Ed? What do you have? Coffee and a Huel protein shake. Did you make it yourself? (laughs) What I like to do is put some water in a shaker and then add some Huel protein powder and shake it up. So yes, I did make this myself. Is it powder flavored? It is vanilla caramel. Ooh. Seems to me like we're super fortified at this point. Right. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have all this protein and caffeine coursing through my system. (laughs) Woo! Get ready, Eli. Yeah. So how did we start going back and forth? Oh man. I think it's Instagram. It is Instagram. I'm pretty sure I was trying to bully you guys into selling me that Abernethy base. I'm pretty sure that's how this started. (laughs) I was wondering how long before that came up. (laughs) I don't know that bullying is exactly the right. No, I don't think so either. I think we got going back and forth and you were asking about my base and and then we started talking about guitars from there and pictures and food. You know, anytime there's an opportunity to talk about gear. I'm there. Yeah. John has the short scale version of an Abernathy bass, and you have effectively the matching guitar, right? Right. The bass is number 64, and then the guitar is number 65. And I just feel like it would be nice if they could be together. (laughs) (laughs) Again, no pressure. I should say that we had a call on the high gain hotline this morning, Ed. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I saved it. Okay, what do you got? All right. Yo... The High Gain Podcast. What is up, John and Ed? How are you doing, my brothers? This is Justin Abernathy calling from beautiful Guadalupe, California. And I'd also like to shoot a very special shout out to my main man, Eli Maiman of the Lock the Moon Band. Let's do this. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I love that man. Did he literally call this morning? Yeah, he called the hotline. That's so great. The little red phone in the corner. Man. The bass and the guitar, one cool thing with those is, aren't they from a barn or something? Is it a brewery? Was that what it was? I remember it's reclaimed wood, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's reclaimed fur. It's special in the way it resonates. I think so. Are you a Tonewood guy? Um, <laughs> that's a private question. On a guitar podcast, this is gotcha journalism. Yeah. Right here. This is the question that you've just like. Oh, shit. I've got these suspicions. Yeah. (laughs) But I don't have enough knowledge to back them up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like when I'm talking to a luthier, when I'm talking to a builder, Mm -hmm. whenever I say something about a wood, they're always like, really? That's what you think about that one? And I'm like, what do I know? I just play them. But what I know is that I love the way this fur sounds on this one guitar that he made me. And so I'll just follow that. Pro fur. (laughs) I love it. That's great. You have more than one Abernathy, I think. Oh my God, I have four here. I have one on loan and I have one on order. Oh my gosh, yeah. So yeah, I'm into it. Yeah. I have two Sonic Empresses, of course, number 65. And then I've got one of the satin sprayed ones. He called it unicorn puke. Right. (laughs) 
It's like silver and purple. Yeah. And actually got used a lot on the record. The new one. The new Walk the Moon record. Yeah. Yeah. And then I've got an All Access, which is an incredible guitar. Surprisingly versatile. Like I could probably do the whole set on this All Access. Oh, wow. Here's another hot take. I don't do Les Pauls under any situation. My man. Give me an Explorer. Give me an SG. But man, the Les Paul. Ugh. Yeah. What are they to you, Ed? Heavy pieces of shit. Yeah. That's my problem, too. I think. It certainly is now. I have a two and a half year old. That's a pandemic baby. So I've been with him every day for the last two years. Mm -hmm. And after carrying him around for two years, I'm like, I'm not carrying a Les Paul on my back at any point in time. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) The weight has become pivotal to me. So there are no Les Pauls. It's a rule. Except when Justin Abernathy makes one. Oh. I've got number 14. It's a flat top Les Paul shape kind of fella. Oh. And it's six pounds. And it's insane. That's the one Les Paul I'm letting into my life. For sure. You get a pass on that. Absolutely. Right. Did you guys see the SG he made a few months ago? Um, It's white and purple. Yes, I did see that. I'm normally not an SG guy, but Justin made that. And I was like, God, am I? Am I an SG guy? Maybe I am. And this is just like the power he has producing these guitars that somehow speak to parts of me that I didn't know about. And maybe that's what's exciting. That's exactly what happened to us. We had Justin on, was it four years ago now? He might have been the first builder we had on. So I had the guitar that I'm holding here, which is a high flyer, number 36. And we're playing it and... All of a sudden, I'm just really getting into it. It's a set neck with a couple of lollers in it and the paddle headstock, not the slot headstock. Mm. And I'm liking it and I'm liking it and I'm liking it. And by the end of the show, I'm like, will you sell this to me? (laughs) In the same episode, I'm just like, well, John's buying that one. And I got number 48. Is it a high flyer as well? It's a Sonic Empress. It's orange and white. Like a creamsicle. It is such a ripper. It's got P90s in it. It's super cool. To me, one of the incredible things about the guitars is that they have this power that makes me want to play. Yes. You know what I mean? I've been playing for 25 years and I've played for a living for the last 10. I don't always want to play the way I did when I was like 14 or something. But when I've got Justin's guitars out, they really inspire me to play every single day. And I think that's like a really special quality in an instrument. And hard to come by. Yeah. Right. We've said it. He called in all of that, but like, he's such a cool guy. (laughs) He could not be sweeter. He inspires three grown men to get together and fanboy over it. Exactly. (laughs) I noticed on the interweb box when I was poking around, you were a marching band geek. Yeah, I was captain of the marching band. Whoa captain (laughs) i was in marching band too what did you play i played electric bass (laughs) electric bass great yeah did you have a battery powered amp that you would roll out to the field that is absolutely right it's a great memory right (laughs) (laughs) and one of my prized possessions is my varsity letter with a bass on it oh nice what is the captain of the marching band What does that get you? Girls, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have a cool hat or anything like when you're the captain? You get the same hat as everybody else. Okay. I was giving inspirational speeches, you know, before the competitions and stuff like that. Let's go out and play our asses off, everybody. This Copeland isn't going to play itself. (laughs) (laughs) You actually do choreography dancing stuff a fair bit even in like the letterman thing you were dancing 
toes in, toes out, feet back and forth. <laughs> you think that's marching band? I absolutely think so. <laughs> to this day, odd beats are the left foot and even beats are the right foot. Right. That has really stuck with me since high school. What did you play? The first year I played trombone. The second year I played electric bass. And then the third and fourth year I played the marching bass drum. Did you have the same experience with the bass that I did? I grew up in New Jersey. You're from Ohio. I lasted with a pick about five minutes in the cold weather before I realized I was going to have to brush up on my finger playing if I didn't want to keep dropping picks. Wow. I think probably I had a bad attitude in high school about bass players using picks. Bass players use fingers, not picks. Yeah. <laughs> mm. What was the bass you played in marching band? What kind? I played a Fender Mexico jazz bass. I played it on the new Walk the Moon record. Wow. It's just got some attitude and feels really good, and I continue to love it. What were you playing? I was playing a Kramer Duke headless bass. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. It's like a Steinberger copy. Since it was a Kramer, it had an aluminum neck. In the cold. Oh, no. And in the cold. <laughs> it was horrible. One thing with the All Access, you were mentioning that one. Yeah. That one has such an interesting look. I've definitely seen videos of you rocking that guitar. Mm -hmm. A lot of Walk the Moon stuff has this 80s vibe, I feel like. Yeah, that's what we're going for. Exactly. Yeah. And that guitar with that vibe really works for me. It seems to fit, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Nice. Had you thought of that? I think in some ways there are two different Walk the Moons. One's in the studio and one's live. When we're in the studio, we're maybe a little more Tears for Fears. Yeah. We're a little more exact and it's a Strat through a JC120 kind of thing. Right. Live, I'm a little more late 80s. I'm a little more, you know, slash in my approach to it, you know? And so it definitely felt right for the way we go live. Although I'm an instinct person, <laughs> sometimes people will ask, what were you thinking when you made XYZ decision? And I'll be like, it felt good, so I did it. <laughs> sure. That's kind of what happened with this instrument is I put it in my hands and I was like, this feels good. Here we go. Yeah. And then the story will write itself around that instinct. Is there a tremendous amount of difference besides that approach between studio and live for you? Yeah, definitely. Live, I'm rocking a Benson rig. It's a Monarch and a Earhart doing like a dual American and British thing. And my starting point with that rig is pretty driven. Earlier in our career, I was kind of like on the edge of overdrive. <laughs> now I like to start pretty meaty, yeah. pushing the amps kind of hard and then building from there. I know there's wisdom to starting at five so that you can take it up to 10, but it just feels so good to start <laughs> yeah, at nine. Like, yeah. And also playing live, I'm much messier. <laughs> I'm honestly just digging through this thought with you guys right here. So yeah. bear with me and maybe talk it out. The music is a thing, but so is the performance, right? Yes. And so there's got to be this balance between being accurate and performing. And if I'm standing there focused on what I'm playing, I often lose connection with the audience, which is often what people are there for. They want to connect with these people who made the music. Yep. That's also why I've given into using MIDI controlled pedals because if I'm tap dancing, I'm not focused on the audience. Right. And when the pedal board is controlled by robots, I can do more <laughs> connecting with the people who came to have that experience. I think one of the things that carries through if you watch videos of the band or see you guys live is the word I want to use is joyous. It's like positive vibes all day which is awesome. Great. Walk the Moon has that for sure. Thank you for saying that. Are you ready for gotcha journalism number two? Ooh. 
Oh, great. Get ready. You've got the caffeine in you. So <laughs> I can go to my closet, pull a bow tie out, <laughs> and just tie a bow tie. Good for you. Boom. Don't need to look at the internet. I can just do it, right? Right. What if I wanted to dip my toe into the overall game? Oh. You? <laughs> You can rock overalls, and I just feel like, for me, man, it makes me nervous. I just need tips. He needs a guide. Yeah, yeah. First of all, my wife would disagree with you. <laughs> Every time I'm wearing those, she's like, the overalls again, huh? <laughs> what I loved about the overalls is that I stopped thinking about what I was going to wear. Ooh, yes. I could do the Steve Jobs thing, where I just have the one thing yep. that I wear, and I'm not going to think about anything else. Yeah. How do I get there? What do I do? Damn. Right. What size overalls? Yeah. Yeah. We should take this offline. We'll start a DM getting Ed prepped yep. for the overall game. <laughs> I think somebody told me Carhartt stuff is in right now. I used to live in a building in downtown Seattle that was filled with musicians and artists. At the bottom of the building was a coffee shop, so it was common for everybody to just kind of meet down there and get coffee. One of the guys in the building was a musician with a big, huge, unkempt beard, and he wore Carhartt overalls every day, and they start getting a little dusty and kind of worn. He would just go stand outside and cop a smoke and drink his coffee. And one day he was just standing there copping a smoke and had his coffee cup. And some dude walked by, looked at him and threw a bunch of change into his coffee cup. Oh, no. <laughs> the dark side of overalls. Yeah, yeah you got to be careful. Right. Yeah. Those black ones that I've been wearing. Yeah. They've got these gold clasps on the straps. Yeah. So they're like a little blingy. What's your gold hardware opinion on guitars? Oh, Oh, uh, real negative, man. Real negative. Oh, yes! <laughs> you are just in the pocket of the high game. Yeah. I never had a short-scale bass before, and I thought, wow, you know, I wonder if I should check out short-scale basses. I don't know. It's not really my thing, I don't think. Then I checked out this Abernathy one and was like, oh, holy crap. This thing is amazing. So not only do I now like short-scale basses, but... I can't imagine having not this Abernathy one. Salt in the wound, John. What are you doing over here? <laughs> right, but I'm also like curious. Like I want to hear the difference between these pickups. Let's do it. Yeah. I've got flat wounds on it. Great. Neck position. Bridge. And then in the middle. Yeah. Really smooth playing. Salt in the wound. You know what? It doesn't sound that good, man, but I'm willing to take it <laughs> off your hands. <laughs> okay, I'm going to plug this creamsicle in. Give that some 81. That's nice, isn't yeah. it? That's middle. Bridge. Let's go neck. <laughs> we were trying to figure out how far up Justin is now. Somewhere around 120. I've got one on order from him. I've got an old king coming to me. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that's going to be 127. Oh. That's exactly where we are. So the new album dropped like November? Yeah, something like that. 
late last year. Yeah. We did a tour into release. So we toured for a couple months ahead of the release. How was the recording process for this one? Did it change the recording process with COVID? <laughs> Hell yeah, it did. Yeah. We did about half of it in person, and then we did about half of it remotely. Interesting. The tone on a lot of the record is a Benson Nathan Jr. in my closet in the studio that I'm sitting in right now. <laughs> yeah. The hero of the recording process was our drummer, Sean, who turned an entire floor of his house into a drum studio. He's the kind of guy who like really just throws himself into... Uh, He's a maniac is what I'm avoiding saying, but it's true. He's a maniac. <laughs> I would wake up in the morning and I would have a new Dropbox alert. Sean Wagaman has added 145 files. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Not being live? Did the actual writing of the music change drastically? Songs were written for the record. So we were more in kind of a uh, execute space, you know? Okay. Yeah. We had demos for everything and had a pretty good idea of what we wanted to do. I think the record turned out more texturally rich for having that license to experiment and that time to try things that we wouldn't do if we were like under the clock of a real studio, you know? My kids are older now. Something that does not seem to go away is the parental desire to be seen as cool to your children, <laughs> right? Right. And telling my son and daughter that you were going to be on the show Four years into the high gain, and they're like, oh, you're cool. Like, you know, there was this thing that they were very much like, really? Oh, great. You have single-handedly bumped my cool dad status <laughs> immensely. So thank you. You know what? I know how much that means at this point. You know, now I know, and I'm so happy for you. It's great. We should maybe play something. Do you have anything we should be listening to, Eli? This is the title track and the opening track from our new record. It's called Heights. For the moment when I got you With nothing between your skin and my hands I want you to take me as high as you can Take me up to the rooftop Whatever you do, don't look down Take me up to the rooftop Whatever you do, don't look down Selling my body 
hairs on my skin The wind and the sweat test my grip I'm up as high as I can get Here's the sign that that's a good song. You had Mopey John smiling and bobbing his head. Mopey John? (laughs) Historically, Mopey John sitting over there, not with a frown on his face. Do I have Mopey resting face? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Literally like bopping his head along. That halftime breakdown is awesome. Thanks. That was a thing that I wanted to ask about. Was that a thing that came in after the song, or was that the entry point of that song? It's just a ripper part. Thanks. That's insightful. That was actually the point of the composition when we started. Yeah. We wanted to do things that were really contrasting in kind of a way that we had seen Foles do. Yeah. We were listening to Inhaler a lot, and it just like has this crazy release into this riff. Yeah. And we were like, what does that sound like if we do it? And so... You're right. That was the entrance point to the song. You don't know what you have just done. Exactly. You you gave Ed a compliment like that. Yeah, I know. Normally, I have to (laughs) fish for these compliments from guests. Very insightful. Well done. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You mentioned earlier instinct. Do you approach solos instinctually or do you sit down and map out what you're going to do ahead of time? I think I did enough prep work in my teenage years where like the math is a little baked into me at this point yeah with that solo on that song we wrote that song in 2013 in a masonic lodge in northern kentucky (laughs) and the solo i played on the demo was just something that i made up on the spot i lived with the demo for eight years before we recorded it that's crazy and so how am i supposed to play anything else at that point right is that like an outlier that you had a 10 year old song just sitting there waiting to be unleashed or is that common when we were writing our second record talking is hard we wrote about 50 songs Wow. Because the label just kept being unhappy with us. They kept sending us to write more songs, which I thought was rude at the time. (laughs) But resulted in us writing Shut Up and Dance eventually. (laughs) Thank you for that, RCA. Yeah. You can look at videos of you playing and there's like Millimetrics and Abernathy, obviously, and just no end of brands that you've played guitar brands. Are there any up-and-comers that you're like, this is a cool piece? Yeah, actually, there's a really great builder in Cincinnati named Justin Kennedy. His brand is Bridge Builder Guitars. 
Justin's been a friend for a long time and he's doing amazing stuff out of his shop. In December, 2019, we were about to play our last show of the year. It was like a private corporate thing in New York. I landed in New York at 9 p.m. And by midnight, I was in the hospital with a broken wrist. Whoa. Made very quick work of it. <laughs> oh. Slipped on some ice on the sidewalk, had my hand in my pocket and just fell on it and broke my wrist. My son was two months old. Oh. Had to have surgery, couldn't hold my son, couldn't play, couldn't do much. And I was a little despondent. And Justin, my buddy, came over with a big roll of paper and said, we're going to design a guitar and we're going to build this guitar while you're healing and you're going to play it when you're all ready to go. And so we designed this guitar that ended up being called the Jazz Builder, kind of a, a vamp on an offset guitar. We just collaborated on the whole thing the whole way through while I healed. Justin knocked it out of the park. It ended up being my main guitar for our tour last year. So I've got to shout out Justin because beyond being an incredible friend and having done like such a, an amazing thing for me, the guitars that he's building right now are just beautiful and incredibly well-built machines. That's a ringing endorsement. Everybody go look at Bridge Builder Guitars. jkennedyguitars.com jkennedyguitars.com Yep. I think we all did a great job today. What do you think? I think we really did something special here. I agree. Oh my oh, gosh. That's exactly that? what we need. I think we leave on a high point, John. Yeah? Yeah. Heights is the new album. Walk the Moon, Heights. Find it everywhere. If you want really cool pictures of cool guitars, Eli's Ooh. Instagram feed is a nice conglomeration of a lot of different cool <laughs> guitar geary things. Uh, what's that handle, Eli? That handle is at Bros Maiman, B-R-O-S-E, which is my middle name, M-A-I-M-A-N. A bros is a type of oatmeal in England. Really? Oh. Your middle name is oatmeal? <laughs> my middle name is my mom's maiden name, and it is oatmeal. Indeed. That's great. Where can people find us, John? Us? Yeah. As always, thehighgain.com. It's our website. Right. On the interweb box. Right. We are also at The High Gain on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And we're yep. all over the place. Yeah. We do this a lot, it turns out. Hey, Eli. Thank you very, very, very much for waking up and doing this with us this morning. It's my pleasure. Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank it's you. It's been great. Yeah. Bye. We'll see you. Later.